God's name. Great job, guys. You may be seated. So the um, the little plaque that's usually on the on the front of this that um, I uh, was flashing at me, so I'm going to stop it. Um, so the um, the little plaque that's usually on the front of this that I drop every week when I move this. Well, I finally did it last week and broke it, so um, I don't I don't think we're going to have to worry about that unless it gets fixed anymore. So. Um, it's God's way of saying, yeah, Jay just keeps breaking this thing, so I'm going to get it out of here. So we are, um, we are excited and, and we're thankful this morning. Can you guys bring me down just a little bit, please? Um, we are excited and thankful for everything that God is, is doing. And uh, I was sharing with some people this week, and, and we were praying and, and talking about it. And, of course, Pastor John and, and I talk each week, and and uh, share our, our heart and our goal for the ministry as a whole. And, um, and we're talking about that. And it's, it's rare that you see God move in the way that we've been seeing him move today. Amen. For, for over a month, our altars have been full. In each, services, in each of our services, we've seen people step into new things. And we've seen people make decisions based upon their desire to pursue the things of God. We have truly seen conversions in people, not just emotional moments at an altar, but, but moments where pe you can see people's lives changing, whether it be from the things that they say and do uh, uh, out in the community, things they say and do on social media, whether it just be the, the help and the service that they're giving to the church or, or whatever. We are seeing God really work and move in people's lives. And that is an exciting time, as an exciting moment. As someone who has pastored for, uh, for close to 30 years and, and evangelized throughout the area, you don't see that a whole lot in today's churches. And, and so it's something that we should always be ready to acknowledge God in. Amen. Because it has nothing to do with, with me or, or, or Dwight or, or TJ or, or Bethany uh, and the ministry leaders here in the church. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the focus we put on Jesus. Amen. Because without him, we're nothing and we're incapable. And without his ability to move and work in people's lives and love the way he loves. Amen. And encourage people the way he encourages people and make a difference in their lives. It would not be, it would not be possible. So we're thankful for what God's doing here. And I don't, I don't say that to embellish. I don't say that because... We have visitors this morning, and I'm trying to say, hey, look at us. We're cool. It, it's not that at all, but I, I think the main thing, as TJ said a long time ago, the main thing needs to be the main thing. And what's the main thing? Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is the main thing. And we, we want to make sure that's known and believed uh, throughout. And, and we just want to love him and love each other uh, according to the way he did. Amen. It doesn't make any of us perfect. Uh, we're all human. Uh, and I don't say that as an excuse. I think we ought to strive for mastery, as the scripture says. I think the scripture says to be ye holy as your father, which is in heaven, is also holy. So I think there is a whole lot of effort that needs to go into those things, and, and we need to be better each day. Amen? None of us will ever be perfect, but, but I think we should strive for perfection and, and pursue the things of God in our lives. I'm thankful for that. Last week, first, 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 I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, we're celebrating... Um, 
Breast Cancer Awareness Month as a church this month. And uh, so I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to take for granted that we don't have anyone here. Do we have any survivors here this morning? You're a survivor? Would you, would you mind to come up? I don't want to put you on the spot, so if you don't, where's your mic, Josie? So we're, we're celebrating uh, breast cancer survivors, and we're thankful to have you here this morning. Would you care to tell just a minute about your story, and at the end of it, say, I conquered breast cancer? Sure. Would you do that? Yeah. Um, September 1st, 1989. April 1st, 1993. Were two of the most glorious days of my life. October 13th, 2010. My world crashed. I was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Um, <clears throat> telling my kids ripped their heart out. I saw a six-foot football player fall to his knees. We, we had a rough road. My son gave up a lot of activities to stay at home with me at night while I was sick because his father worked at Toyota night shift. He sacrificed a lot during his senior year of high school, but I thank God has blessed him. Uh, I went through a year of chemo 12 treatments of radiation and a mastectomy. A year and six months later, I was declared clean. I had a checkup October the 12th. I am still clean. I know through my heart, if I hadn't depended on God, I would not be standing in front of you today. God cleaned me. God will keep me clean, and I praise him for it. Thank you. So last year, um, a girl that I went to school with, um, she was 32 at the time, has three littles at home, um, seven, five, and three. She was diagnosed with breast cancer, and in your 30s, that's not something you think about. Um, she's an ER nurse, and she went through um, treatment, and in May, she was um, declared that she had beat breast cancer. How brave and, and how important it is to acknowledge God in those times and in those moments. So we're, we're thankful for those testimonies. We're thankful for the sacrifices um, that were made um, for them. And, and I think it's important that, you know, I know, you know, it's, it's, it's a big thing in the culture and we see it on our Facebooks and everything else like that. But man, as a, as a church, man, we need to get behind these and celebrate, celebrate with them, celebrate their victory. Uh, in, in beating breast cancer. So we're privileged to do that um, today and, and each day um, this month. So if you know someone, I think we have one more Sunday in October. Yeah, one more. So if you know someone, and uh, we encourage you to uh, have them join us next week, and, and we will celebrate them here uh, as well 
as part of uh, Breast Cancer Month. And, and we're thankful, again, for all that God is doing uh, in your lives. And thank you for sharing, ladies. Um, so last week, in, in this idea of, uh, of being brave and, and doing better things, not really a sermon series, uh, but just a, a few series of messages that are going to take us into November, we are... Last week we were thinking about Esther, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. Last week's message didn't go at all how I thought it would go. But that's why it's important that we submit to God, right? Because what a service we had and how God did great things. And it was because God knew all of the different needs in our service. I don't necessarily know all the needs. Sometimes I can discern things that are going on in people's lives, but I don't always know everything, but God knew everything. So I, I think we covered everything from, uh, you know, the, the woman caught in adultery to Esther to, to Mary to, to Thomas. I mean, I think we hit a little bit of everything last week, but what that was, right, it wasn't me being crazy and not being prepared. That was God realizing the needs of each of you here, amen, and, and bringing things out of me that needed to be brought out of me that day, um, realizing it. So, um, as we looked at Esther and as, as we think about Esther, Esther was a young girl who was brought into uh, a very unique situation. And, and the responsibility of an entire nation was put on her back. Now, I'm not going to re-preach last week's message, but I'm going to kind of use this to prelude into this week's message. The responsibility of an entire nation was put on her shoulders. And she had to choose to listen to God and listen to the people around her who were responsible uh, for, for leading her in the way that God needed things to happen. And, and she had to make a choice. She had to make a decision. I am going to do this because this is what God needs. And, and it's interesting that when she came to that decision place, that she sent everyone back and she told everyone, all of the Jews in the land, she told all of them to go and fast and pray, right? And, and what's significant about that, and that's what kind of leads us into this week's message, is Esther understood that the situation was bigger than her. Esther understood that what she was being asked to do could cost her her life, and it needed a power and, 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 and a direction that was so much bigger than her that she relied on everyone else to help empower her in God. Amen? And I can't think of any greater call for today's church. Amen? We, we live our lives so secluded and so individualized and so focused on our own wants and our own needs and, and all of these things. And I'm not saying all of those things are bad. Okay, it's good to have goals and it's good to go to work and, and it's good to do the things that we're supposed to do. So by all means, I'm not preaching against that. Don't leave here and say, man, the preacher said I should quit my job and, and God will take care of me. No, that's crazy. Okay, that, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, and when God does move in that way, it's usually a pretty big deal when God moves in that way, okay? It's not just something that's going to come out of my mouth one minute and you're doing it the next minute, okay? There, there needs to be praying and fasting on your part to make that kind of decision. So, so don't anyone misconceive what I'm saying, but what I am saying is this. Esther realized she needed a power that was bigger than her in her life to do all of the things that God was asking her to do and encouraging her to do and wanting her to do. Amen? 
So that brings me this week to the 8th chapter of Romans. And we're going we're gonna to read that to you here in just a minute. And it's a very familiar scripture. But what I want us to, to think about, Bopper, we always, um, on the screen, we always try to put a, a title up there. And sometimes I, I just struggle to put a title to it. And so I was up there reading this morning, and it just kind of jumped out at me. And, and so I sent him the thing, and I said that we are, um, we are conformed and called to conquer. We are conformed and called to conquer. So why are we so afraid? We are conformed and called to conquer. But why are we so afraid? Right? And that's kind of the moment. That's kind of the moment when, you know, Bopper, when, when I texted, him, texted it to him so he could, he could put it in there and everything else, he responded to me. He's like, I don't know. Why are we? I, don't, I guess that's... Something you're going to say in the message today. And, and I don't know that I have the, the perfect answer for your scenario. But what I, what I do see and what I do understand, and, and, and I'm on the social medias, and, and I'm engaged with my boys, so we're talking about the things that they're dealing with in college and, and the things that are going on. And, and I'm engaged with a lot of your kids who are younger and, and, and everything else like that and the things that are going on in their life. And, and I think we have, we have come into a culture and, and everything where we, we are so concerned about the bad things that can happen that we're, free, we're, we're ultimately refusing to trust God in those things, and instead, we're doing everything to safeguard it ourselves. Amen? And, and, and you could say something like that, and you're going to say, well, Jay, you're crazy, da-da-da-da-da. Well, you know what? We, we, we wear bike helmets now, right? We have seatbelt laws. Now, and I'm not arguing against any of those things. I understand those are smart Things to do. I had, a, I had a friend in grade school, and we would ramp our bikes all the time, never wore helmets, never did nothing. We had skin knees, and blood would run down our legs while we were playing, and, and all of this and that and the other, and you'd just walk inside and pour some alcohol on it, grit your teeth for 30 seconds, and go back out and keep playing, right? Okay, I, I, I grew up in that generation, but here's why helmets are important, and I'm not speaking against that. I had a friend who we were, we were ramping over a creek one day. And we had come down off the hill and we'd hit that ramp and we'd went up over that creek and landed a hundred times. And my friend, one, one time, we, we, I don't know if we changed the direction of the, the ramp or something, everything else, and he hit that ramp. And when it did, the ramp kind of fell and he went tumbling into the creek and the back of his head hit a railroad spike that was in that creek. So he had a horrible situation, surgeries and, and everything else and, and so forth like this. So helmets are important, okay? I'm not up here preaching against helmets. Don't misunderstand me. But what I am trying to get us to understand is, as a society, we have looked at a number of things that we see as scary or dangerous, and we have legislated how to fix those things, right? And I'm not just talking politics and government here. We've, we do the same thing in our house every day, right? Right? Luke, when he, when he was a baby, right, Isaac was crawling around and he knocked the iron off of, off of the ironing board. And Luke knew it was hot and knew that we had warned him to stay away from it. And he was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe four and Isaac was, was just under two or something like that and, and everything. And so he sees it and he goes running and he grabs it like this, one hand on the hot side of the iron and one hand on the hot, to, to keep the baby from getting to it. And he burnt the, 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 the crap out of his hand. Sorry, I said crap. I know I'm not supposed to. Um, 
but he burned the dickens out of his hand and it all blistered up and, and was horrible and you know we we made him a hero and told him how what a hero he was to his brother and this and that and the other and, and everything else to try and soothe this situation and, and this and that and the other a little bit well immediately what do we do as parents right not ironing in the living room anymore, not ironing in the TV room anymore. I'm only going to iron here and you're going to occupy the boys or you're going to go outside with the boys and everything else. We are going to protect them from that iron because it's evil, right? All right, now I'm embellishing, but you, you understand what I'm talking about, right? When we see danger, when we see potential hurt and harm, especially for our kids, we will go to the end of the earth to wrap them in bubble wrap Right? And then put styrofoam around them. Right? And then do all of these other things and everything to protect them. Right? Because we're parents and we love them and we don't want to see our kids hurt. And that's okay. That's okay. But I think sometimes we, we take this to the next level in our life. And when God begins to move in us and God begins to speak to us and God begins to move us in a direction that is, that is uncomfortable... A direction that has potential danger, a, a direction that has uh, potential warning signs. We are quick to run and get the bubble wrap, run and get the styrofoam, and protect us from what seems foreign or strange or different to us. And so we are called to, we are conformed and, and called to conquer but a lot of times we're afraid of God's power moving and working in our life because it makes us uncomfortable. It pushes us to, to places and limits that we don't really want to go. It reveals part of ourselves to us, and we have to deal with that. We have to look at those things in the mirror or look at those things in our heart, and we have to determine that that's not, that's not good for me. Right? That's not good for my family. That's not, that's not good for my church. That's not good for my community. Whatever those things are, those things aren't good for me. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're a sin, but it means that it's something that isn't glorifying to God, and therefore it's not bringing his power and dominion into your life. Amen? And so we are pushed to make decisions, and we are pushed to do things that we don't want to do. Right? Because... Because the fear really is, in that situation and circumstance, the fear really is not the skin knee, right? And not the alcohol. I remember when raising my boys, and my boys, I raised them rough and tumble and, and everything else. And, and so they were all the time coming in with strawberries and skin knees and this and that and the other. And, and I would just like, get in the shower. And they'd, they'd get in the shower in the bathtub and everything else. I'd walk over with the alcohol and psh, right on that strawberry. And I remember telling that story. I remember that telling sto that story to one of their coaches one time and everything. And their coach was like, oh, oh, that, that's horrible. And, and everything else, I said, yes, but you know what? It dries it up just like that. It doesn't ooze for days and weeks and everything else. It doesn't risk infection and everything else. The next morning, it's dry and scabbed over and heals. I said, and how many, how many do you know who, who walk around favoring that strawberry for weeks? Now, I'm not telling you to go, go home and throw alcohol on your on your kids' strawberries or anything else like that. You, you treat those the way you want to treat those. But sometimes when God moves in our life, sometimes the greatest thing we can do is to take it head on. 
receive the power and receive the hope and receive the promise that he delivers to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and take it head on, grit our teeth for a little bit while it stings, but then receive the power and the grace to do great things in Jesus' name, right? And a lot of times, because it's scary, because a lot of times we don't like the idea of the alcohol on our strawberry or, or, or whatever, we, we, we kind of grit our teeth and go the opposite direction. We're thankful Esther didn't do that today. But I want to share with you out of, out of Romans chapter 8 how we come to this idea. In Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. All things work together for them that love God. To, for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now this is important, right? When Anytime we see the word predestinate in scripture, theologians go crazy. Because you've got people saying this and you've got people saying that and everything else. What this scripture means and what it is saying to us is it isn't saying to us that God chose who's going to get saved and who's not going to get saved. And who's going to be this and who's going to be that and everything else. That's not what this scripture is saying at all. What this scripture is saying to us is that God predestined for those of us who love God and for those of us who are called according to his purpose, meaning that, that we have chosen to follow God and we have chosen to allow God to be first in our life, what, what the scripture here is saying and what Paul is teaching to us here in Romans is that those of us that choose to follow God in that, he has already put all of the things in order and all of the things in place to bring us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Right? If you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, your number one goal is to become like Jesus. If you're a Christian, your number one goal is to begin to think the way and live the way and do the things that Jesus does. Right? That's normally the part of the, the sermon where everyone says, I can't be Jesus. I'm not going to be Jesus. That's crazy. Everything. But, but what, I think, what I think we're going to be judged by and what I think God evaluates in us is not the work of the cross because the work of the cross was Jesus's. But what I do think God will evaluate us on is our effort towards becoming like him. Amen. I posted a thing as I was studying this week. It just kind of jumped off the page of me. And I posted it on Facebook. And several of you uh, liked it or commented or shared on it. And it was simply this. We argue today. Church, theologians, philosophers, everybody argues today, is this a sin? Is that a sin? Is this right? Is that wrong? And this and that and the other. And we, we argue about that till the cows come home. And amen. And you know what the, the easiest way to solve that argument in my book is? Does it bring glory to God? Or does it edify the flesh? Call it a sin, call it whatever you want. If it brings, as a Christian, if it brings glory to God, then you are moving in the right direction. As a Christian, if it brings edification to your flesh or it begins to cause you to move in fleshly ways, then you are going down the wide path. And God simply says that our path needs to be straight and our path needs to be narrow because that is the path that finds its way to God. Amen? It's not that you're a bad person. It's not that anybody hates you. It's not that, that, that this and that and the other. Friend, listen, I've been doing this for almost 30 years, and there are things in my life that every day I look at, and I realize I've got to fix this. I've got to fix this. I've got to clean this up. I've got to do better. 
Amen? Why? Because I want to glorify God. I want to glorify God. I want him to be number one in my life. And the reason we, we stay afraid when we come to that point in the, in the place of our Christianity it is because that we, we don't want to change. And we certainly don't want someone to tell us we need to change. Amen? Well, if I need to change, I'll figure that out myself. Okay, fine. But, but you're not going to find that in the world. You're going to find that in God's word. You're going to find that like Esther did when she received her power and her conforming, when, when she chose to turn to God and the fasting and the prayers and the power that came from that. And she was able to save a nation because of it. Amen? And so now here we are in a place in our lives where we need to choose if we're going to conform or not. If we're going to conform or not, if we're going to choose to pursue a life of Christ or not. Amen? It's tough, right? We all have things we want to do. We all have places we want to uh, be. We all have goals and we all have things in life. And those, those are fine. But, but at the end of the day, if they are not moving us in the direction of Christ, they could be moving us away from him. And we need to be careful of that. And we need to be wise to that and we need to seek out in prayer his direction in our life for each of those things. The scripture goes on and it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, speaking of us, many brethren, moreover whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So what he's saying now is those of us who have choose, chosen to pursue him, we have chosen to pursue him and pursue a, a path of righteousness, pursue the narrow way and not the wide way, because the wide way leads to destruction. We, we've chosen to, to remove this or that out of our life just simply because it moves us away from God, and we are choosing to do God's will. God will look at that. And if you remember a few weeks ago, I was teaching about our calling and different things like that. When God looks and he sees that we are faithful in the little things, when God sees that we are faithful in this or we are faithful in that, which was a little thing, and he sees that we are choosing to move away from the things of the flesh and move into the things of God, amen, and that doesn't happen for most of us overnight. Some it does, amen, but some of us is a process, and, and that's okay. And, and so as we're going through that process and everything else, God begins to look at us and he begins to see, hey, you know what? So-and-so is moving away from the world and moving into my way. They're beginning to walk my path. They're beginning to live the way that I have ordained for people to live. Amen? Which means they're, they're removing the things from their life that are going to drag them into the thoughts and the hearts and the things away from God. And because of that, I am now going to start moving in their life. Amen? When we talk about being called, that is God taking us to the next step and saying, I'm going to move you here and use you for the building of my kingdom. Amen? We're, we're, we're conformed and called to be conquerors. Right? And I think at the end of the day, Amen. To answer Bopper's question, here you go, Bob. To answer Bopper's question, I think at the end of the day, most of us are just afraid of being called. I think at the end of the day, most of us are just afraid that we need to move away from our comfort zone to the point and the place that God calls us into something bigger than we are. 
I mean, dude, I, I'm going to be honest with you. When, when, when this started happening, I was in Marine Corps boot camp, and I was, as, if, as if things weren't bad enough, I was waking up in the middle of the night in my rack at Paris Island, South Carolina, dreaming of being in the pulpit preaching. That wasn't cool, okay? That, that was, I, I'm, I'm like, God, don't I have enough that I'm dealing with right now? You know? And, and that's how this all started for me, right? And while I was on active duty, it was easy to hide from it, right? There's a whole lot of things going on in my life, so it was easy for me to just kind of take that, put it on a shelf over here and say, yeah, God, we'll, we'll talk about that later and do my thing. But I'm going to tell you what, the minute I came off active duty and I started going into my home church and I started getting involved in the things of God again and God began to start working in my life and started to put examples in my life of where I was to be, I could not deny that calling. So you know what I did? I did what any reasonable person would do in that moment. I got scared to death and I ran as far from it as I possibly could. As far as I could. Did a lot of horrible things. Said a lot of horrible things. Hurt a lot of wonderful people. There was nothing good about me that could be said in that two, two and a half years. I was a jerk, among another other adjectives that people still to this day often refer to me by. Because they don't, they, all they remember is that guy. And they don't see or, or remember what, what God has done in my life. And that, that's okay. That's okay. I deserved those things. I was, I was every single one of them. Um, but I'm thankful for where God had me. Right? I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. And what happens to us is when God calls us, we get scared. Because it pushes us beyond what we think we're capable of. I grew up in church, right? And I grew up, I grew up in an old-fashioned, traditional church. And so I remember the old talking that you're going to be accountable for every word that comes out of your mouth. And, this, and, and I believe all of that. I'm not saying that's wrong. And everything else. I believe all of that and, and so forth. But I remember all of that, and I just remember freaking out. And I wanted as far away from it, Chris, as I could. Because I'm thinking, not this guy. Mm -mm. not this guy. And my life spun out of control. I was hurt, I was miserable, I was angry. There was nothing good going on in me at all. And, and I've shared my testimony with you, so I'm not going to recant it all, but I fell to bedside. I prayed a silent prayer, and I laid it all down. I laid everything down in my life that wasn't good, that wasn't right, that wasn't wasn't what I believed God wanted. I spilled it all. And I asked him to forgive me of those things. And I asked him to do in my life what he wanted to do. And I even said, you want me to preach? This is how real the call was. You want me to preach? I don't know why you would. But if you do, just let somebody ask me. And I'll do it. Lay down a fleece, just like Gideon. Put a fleece before him. It was a silent prayer. No one knew that prayer. Didn't share it with my mom and dad. Didn't share it with my friends or my girlfriends or anything else like that. Didn't have the conversation with anyone. It was something between me and God. The following Sunday night, I'm leaving my church like I had thousands of times before. My pastor shakes my hand and he holds on. He looks at me and he says, will you preach uh, next Sunday night for us? <laughs> well, there's no hiding now. Right? There's no running now. Okay? This is real. 
This is God, and I'm pretty freaked out. And I look him in the eye, and I say, yes, sir, I'll be here. And so I quit everything, and I dove into this. And that wasn't true of just that week to get ready for my first message. That became true of my life for the next seven years. For the next seven years, I dove into this word because I wanted it to be, I wanted to become it. I wanted to become every statute, every jot, every tittle. I wanted to absorb it. I wanted to understand it. And I wanted to, if I was going to be responsible for it, I wanted to know it. And I wanted it to live in me. Amen. I wanted it to live inside of me. And I'll never forget, I'd, I'd preached for, for probably a year at this point, and I snuck into a, uh, into a revival service for a speaker I really liked, and the speaker couldn't be there. And I was one of those guys that had multiple sheets of notes up here. And, and I thought I had to hit every one of them. And so I'm reading through those notes and this and that and the other and everything. And I remember sneaking into the back of the service a little bit late. And, and ultimately, because of a car wreck, the speaker couldn't be there that night, and I ended up having to preach that message. I was in a Harley t-shirt, I'd been cutting grass and weed eating all day. I was in a Harley t-shirt and a pair of ripped up blue jeans. And I thought I could just slide into the back of the church, enjoy a good message, and go home. My wife and the boys were at her mom's out of town, right? And, and when the, the speaker couldn't come because he was, he was okay, but long story short, he just couldn't make it because of the car accident and, and everything else, the, the pastor of the church called everyone up front. I hid. I had not me, I don't have notes, I don't have anything, I'm dressed this way, and people don't like that, and yada, yada, yada. Now I, I don't really worry about those kind of things, but, but that's where I was at that moment, and, and everything else, and, and the pastor knew me. So he says, did I see Jay Mace come in a minute ago? Like, daggone it. Right? I was scared. I didn't have notes. I didn't have anything to lean on. I didn't have a crutch. Right? I didn't want to preach that message. So I know fully well that the idea was to bring all of the preachers up there and we're going to pray and God's going to reveal to one of us who's going to preach the message. I already knew. I already knew it was me. I'm thinking, I don't want to go up there. No. All right, I'm freaking out. I'm scared. I get up there and I, I see a couple other guys. I think I've shared this with a few of you. I see a couple other guys that I know. And I'm like, oh, they're going to jump up and say God told them no matter what. It'll be fine. And, and everything else, and, and so I'm sitting there, and we get together, we join hands and pray, and to my, to my amazement, no one opened their mouth after the prayer. And the pastor's standing right across from me, and he says, did God tell anyone who's supposed to preach tonight's message? You know, it's kind of one of those moving moments where it's like, <laughs> kind of like that. I'm like, oh, man. I just look at him and shake my head and everything else, and he says, all right, we're going to give uh, Brother Jay a few minutes. Uh, to get his thoughts together and everything else. Brother Jay, you can go in the back of my office or if you need to for a few minutes. I'm like, nope, I already know the message. I already know the text. I already got it. And everything, he's like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, Jay Mace. And I'm just like, I didn't even have my Bible, right? I just wanted to slide in and enjoy the service. So I get up, step out, and I don't know what happened, man. The altars were full. I'm in the middle of preaching, and people are coming to the altar, and, and God just moved in a huge, huge way. It had nothing to do with me, but it had everything to do with obedience and God moving in the place because of the spirit that had been prepared for him and the ground that had been prepared for him in that place. It had nothing to do with me, so I'm not, not bragging on myself here at all, but God moved in a huge way. Lives were changed, and people were saved and healed, and just all kinds of crazy things took place. And I'll never forget after the service... 
Brother Delbert came up to me and everything else. He said, you learned something tonight, young'un? He always called me young'un. He said, you learned something tonight, young'un? I said, I learned a whole lot of things tonight and everything else. And he said, if it's living in you, it will do its job. If it's living in you, it, not you, there was no you in that statement whatsoever. There was no J in that statement whatsoever. He said, if it, it, the word of God, his spirit, his power, his love for man, if it's living in you, it will do its job. That's all you ever need to lean on, to melt. So I continued to, to pour myself into it, continued to, I quit dating, I quit, I quit going places, I quit doing things. Bob can tell you, I practically disappeared and, and everything because I absorbed myself into this and I took that for, for, for real. I took the advice for real and I poured myself into this. Why? Because God had called me to do something that was bigger than me and I didn't want to be the felt thing. I didn't want to be the place that fell short. I didn't want to be the thing that was to blame when something didn't happen, right? Do you think, do you think in a, in a Harley t-shirt and, and a bunch of holy blue jeans and a, and a very traditional fundamental church that, that I would have been asked to jump in the pulpit without a Bible or anything if it wasn't God? No, it was completely God. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm liable to preach in a Harley t-shirt and a pair of Holy Blue jeans now, right? Because I've, I've kind of moved past that. Nothing against my upbringing, nothing against those people. They're amazing, wonderful people. Amen. But I think God's worrying about a whole lot more than, than what the t-shirt says and what the blue jeans look like, okay? I'm so far past that, right? And, and you know, we, for when we first started, we had that little video that said, is there a dress code? And that little girl came on and says, yes, wear clothes. Well, that's kind of where I'm at this morning. It was funny. I got out of the shower this morning. I'm standing there with the towel wrapped around me and, and everything else, and I blew my hair dry and everything else, and I hadn't, like, put the gel in it or whatever yet. And, and so it was, like, sticking straight up. And, and I looked at my wife and everything else. I said, how about this? And, and she looks at me, and she's like, um, what's, our, what's our code? Wear clothes? I think that would be good. And, and so it was a funny moment for us. All right, y'all looking at me going, oh, that's mean. Just stop, Jay. Stop. Okay, what happens is we get scared, right? And it's okay. I was told to me, it freaked me out. I ran and, and, and got into a whole lot of stuff that I was never meant to be part of because I got scared. I get it. I understand. When you're challenged and when you are pushed to be more than what you think you're capable of, the first response for us in this time and in this life and in this culture is to run from it. We are all called to something greater than us. Scripture tells us that, that we had a purpose when we were placed into the womb. A purpose. Right? And that doesn't just mean your looks and your personality and, and, and this and that and the other. It's a purpose. It's a God-given purpose. It is something that God chooses to conform us to and call us to when we reach that point in time in our life. Now, I want to encourage you with this today. I've said, I've said a whole lot of stuff to kind of paint the picture. I want to encourage you with this today. Amen? Because I asked the question, why are we afraid? 
And I want to back that up with this. Here's what God says to us in Romans 8, starting at verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? Right? What shall we say to these things that make us afraid? What should we say to these things that that make us feel like we're not good enough? What should we say to these things that don't like the way we're dressed? What should we say to these things that that make us feel we're not smart enough? What should we say to these things that, that intimidate us and scare us and push us into the corner? Or maybe even into the closet and shut the door. What should we say to these things? Here's what Paul says. If God be for us, who? Who? Amen. That's when we start getting that little bit of Jesus indignation. Amen. Who can be against us? If God is for me, if God is working on my behalf, if God is standing at the right hand of God for me, who can match him? Who can measure up to him? Who can stand against me with the same power and the same authority that he has? Who? Nobody. Nobody. Nothing can stand against me with any more authority or power than the one standing for me. Who? Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God, I'm not good enough. God, I'm not smart enough. God, I'm not able. God, I'm not not prepared enough. God, I'm not not able to do the things that you're asking me to do. It's impossible, God. Anybody, Anybody ever been there? Huh? A lot of head shaking, right? We get afraid. It's bigger than me. I'm not capable, God. So we get afraid and, and we don't grab on to what God is doing. What does Paul say? Paul says, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. If it's living in you, if it's living in you, it will come out. It will set fire to your life and fire to your heart and fire to your soul and it will come out and it will do the things for you that you can't conceive you doing on your own. Amen. I've seen God do some some incredible things over the last 30 years. I I literally, I could stand here and tell you stories till, till probably school starts tomorrow morning of the things I've seen they had nothing to do with me, but they had everything to do with the power of God living in me and living in others around me and doing great works. Amen. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? I had someone the other day talk to my wife and say, you know, so-and-so saying this about the church. So-and-so saying this and -and so-and-so saying that. You, you, You need to let Jay know. And Sam's like, okay, I'll let him know. She already pretty much had an idea of what I was going to say and, and everything. So she comes home and she goes, oh, this was shared with me that, you know, so-and-so is, is saying this and, and, you know, talking about this at some of the ball games and, and this and that and the other and everything else. And I was like, okay. She's like, you going to do anything about it? I'm like, nope. She goes, kind of what I thought you'd say. Nope. 
Why? Because if you're talking about the power, if you're talking against the power and the anointing and the presence of God that is moving in this place and doing things in people's lives, and if you're standing in contrast to that, God will deal with you and he will deal with you so much more righteously than I could ever think about doing. So I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to be quiet. I'll pray. I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. I'll pray for those people. Amen. So that one day they're in here and God moves in their life and does a work in them. And amen. And instead of being enemies, we become friends and co-laborers with Jesus. How about that? Take that, Satan. Take that, Satan. Amen? So forth, so now I'm just going to walk away. Number one, I answer to him, nobody else. And, and if, if he needs to jerk a knot in my tail, so be it. Let him jerk a knot in my tail. But he will deal, he will deal with those things. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my effort. It's not worth my worry or concern. Amen? So no, I'm not doing anything about it. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Why? I stand on him. I'm not standing on sink, sinking sand up here. I'm not standing on something that, that is self-made and self-glorified up here. I'm standing on the power and, and the eternity of Jesus Christ Almighty. What I stand on him, I stand on him because his authority has proven itself to be real and to be alive in my life. So he'll justify me. He'll justify the church. He'll justify the things that he calls. And I'm not going to be distracted by anything else. Amen? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You know, when, when, when I was in the Marines, we, we had a thing, and, and I refer to this a lot, so you've probably heard it, but, but we had a thing that everything else that we would say and everything else, yeah, I'll, 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 I'd share my foxhole with that guy. Yeah, I'd share my foxhole with him and everything else, meaning that the, these are guys that you know that if it goes down, they're, they're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you and, and fight till the end. And, and while I've got a lot of friends and I've got a lot of people that I see in this wise, at the end of the day, it really comes down to the fact that I've got the Son of God on my side, empowering me to do the things that would never, ever be possible without him, and do, helping me see people do a work in their life. Amen? That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. It is moving people to Jesus. It's moving people to an existence with God that they never knew possible because they let so many other things intimidate them, so many other things scare them, so many other things frustrate them, so many other things make them mad. Amen? That's, that's the scary part of, of, of this person spreading gossip. That's the scary part of this is that person's going to have to account for anyone that God may have been trying to help change their life. So I, I don't need to do anything to deal with that. That person's already bringing their, their own recompense. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
there is nothing you have done that is so bad, that is so ugly, that is unredeemable. There's no place you've been. There's nothing you've done. There's no thought. There's no lifestyle. There, there's no way about you that intimidates God, nor that he's capable of redeeming. I'm going to be honest with you. I heard, I heard someone preach this message one time, and I loved it. Never re-preached it, but I'll share it with you. They, they preached the message and everything else and said, why are we so against sinners? Right? Why are we so against sinners? Because ultimately, to, to become gods, that's what qualifies us. Realizing our sin and confessing that before God is what qualifies us to become the children of God. Amen? And until we come to a place that we say, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me, until we look at ourselves and we realize that even in our goodness, our rags are filthy, and we say, God, have mercy on me, it is our sin, and, and it, is, it is the realization of our sin that qualifies us to come to Christianity in Jesus Christ. And so many times we, we, we snow up our nose and we smirk and, and we push people away like they're not worthy when all the time Jesus is the one saying, no, that's why I died. That's why I died. That's who I died for. There's no one that I don't love. There's no one that I don't want to save. There is no one that I don't want to make a difference in. So when we start thinking his way, and we start living his way, and we start doing things his way. And we allow that same love and power to live in us. Then he starts to make differences in people's lives. Those of you that know me, you know I'm, I'm a hugger, I'm a lover. And there's nothing, if you, if you follow me on Facebook, I'm usually telling probably 20 people a day I love them. Amen. And, and there's people who probably look at them and go, oh, he's just trying to act like a pastor. No, no, not really. Honestly, I don't know many pastors today who do that, to be honest with you. Amen? I'm sure there's some, but I don't, I don't know very many of them. I tell you, I love you. It's because I love you. And you say, well, Dave, you, you don't even know me that well. Well, that's okay. God does. And God loves you. So if God loves you, I'm going to love you. Amen? And if there's things we, we need to, to work on together, we'll do that together. I'm not going to point my finger or snarl my nose up at you or, or treat you second class. I'm going to love you. Because that's how God loved me. And I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But he loved me anyway. He put his arms around me and he loved me and he called me his. And he can still call me his. makes you a sinner? Who pushes you away? Who tells you you're not good enough? Who or what keeps you from becoming what God has conformed and called you to be? And what is that? That's a conqueror. That's a conqueror. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? That's a pretty good list, right? These things are possible. These things can come up. 
Trial and tribulations are promised, but Jesus says be happy. I love that verse. Amen? While you're in the world, you still have tribulation. Amen? While you're in the world, you're going to have a lot of garbage. You're going to have a lot of bad news. You're going to have a lot of bad people. But be happy. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what Jesus says. While you're in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be happy. People are going to talk about you. Be happy. People are going to judge you. Be happy. People are going to, people are going to discount you. Be happy. People are going to intimidate you. Be happy. People are going to kick you to the curb. Be happy. People are going to doubt you. Be happy. Because it's not about you. It's about him. And what's it say? It's about him. And he has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. While you're in the world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be happy. I have overcome the world. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is at the right hand of God that maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. In all these things. In all of the world, and all of its doom and gloom, and all of its beat up and kicked down ways. We are more than conquerors. Through him. But love this, no other way. Amen? I'm more than a conqueror because I show up on church, show up to church on Sunday. Nope. I'm more than a conqueror because I'm a good mom and dad. Nope. I'm a good conqueror because I'm debt free. Nope. I'm a good conqueror because I'm a, I'm a good worker in my workplace. I've, I've met all my coals. I've done everything I'm supposed to be. Nope. You should be doing all those things because you're a good Christian. Amen. But that's, that's not what we're talking about here. Amen. I could go on and on and on. But at the end of the day, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It's about his love for us. It's about his willingness to embrace us. And it's about his willingness to make us whole. We are more than conquerors, conformed and called to be conquerors. So why are we afraid? Jesus loves you. I, I often think Paul and Silas put in the deepest dungeon. I'm closing. Paul and Silas put in the deepest of dungeons, had every reason to be afraid, had every reason to worry, had every reason, supposed to die the next day, going to be executed. What did they do? They sang. Now, I, I personally think, because it's my favorite song, right? I personally think this was when Jesus Loves Me was written, right? I think Paul and Silas down in that dungeon with the rats running around and the stinky, smelly corpses rotten and all the other crazy, yucky stuff going on way down there, right? Some of you scrunching up your nose. Yeah, it was probably every bit of that and more, right? I believe they took each other's hand and they sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones like me, to him belongs, they are weak like me, but he is 
situations in my life where I don't have the answer. Things in front of me and around me look scary and intimidating. I don't know. And I find myself sneaking off somewhere. If I'm at work, sometimes I go to the handicapped bathroom and pray none of the handicapped people come because that's the only place where I can get alone and I just sing that song. And I reassure myself that no matter the trial, no matter the tribulation, no matter the sword, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, nothing, no one will separate me from the love of God. Let's get out of here. In Jesus' name, let's stand and sing.